With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Spiritual Insights with Charlotte Spicer. Spirituality and Metaphysics Talk Radio. Featuring a course in miracles, dream interpretation, guided meditation, and the psychic and metaphysics free-for-all. It's your opportunity to consult with a professional psychic medium, discuss past lives, the chakras, and more. We are non-denominational, and there are no limits. Want to change your life? You must first change your mind. 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 No matter your religious structure, cultivate peace in your reality through self-awareness with an authentic spiritual teacher. And now, your host, Charlotte Spicer. Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in to Spiritual Insights. The common perception of a successful sports agent is an aggressive-to-be-effective persona that is as powerful at negotiating as their athletes are at sports. Connecting to goodness may seem an unlikely goal in either sports agenting or sports marketing, but it's the best unkept secret of one of the best sports agents in the business. Legendary sports agent, business executive, and technical guru David Meltzer understands this connection firsthand. Before he made this connection, he made and lost millions. However, once that connection was firmly established, he applied it to his newfound life and business outlook as CEO to sports super agent Lee Steinberg, who was played by Tom Cruise in Jerry Maguire. The result of his transformation is the remarkably successful venture, Sports One Marketing, that he began with quarterback Warren Moon, who was inducted into the Canadian Football Hall of Fame in 2001 and the Professional Football Hall of Fame in 2006. In the making, losing, and remaking of millions of dollars in sports agenting and marketing, David has indeed become all about connecting to goodness as a tool for actual and worthwhile success in business and in life. Once again enormously successful, he never forgets the value of making this connection in all aspects of life, and he is here today to discuss his new book entitled Connected to Goodness, Manifest Everything You Desire in Business and Life. In addition to a fascinating journey described in a matter-of-fact and humorous narrative voice, David categorizes what he calls the interconnected seven principles and their supporting four key elements, simply and clearly, to help you get out of your own way, achieve success, and create a legacy. If you are looking for a sense of empowerment to manifest success, but feel that the doors of opportunity are locked, connected to goodness holds the key. While you're listening, if you would like to learn more, read an excerpt from the book, or see his calendar of nationwide speaking engagements, visit ConnectedToGoodness.com. Without further ado, welcome to the show, David. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm excited to talk about sports on my show. This is the first and probably only time I can connect sports with spirituality, so I really appreciate the unique topic. Oh, I hope to change your perspective of that and get more sports talk on here. 
Okay. Well, uh, you, can tr- you can try your best. <laughs> but we're going well. to have a great time. I loved your book. But first, David, um, you dedicate your book and your journey to your beautiful wife, Julie, and your four amazing children. So with your blessing, I'd like to dedicate this segment to them, as well as your stepbrother who passed away when you were in law school. Is that okay? I would appreciate it. Thank you. You're welcome. Consider it done. Well, I mentioned that you went into business with Hall of Fame quarterback Warren Moon. I'd like to talk about that further into the show, but first I thought it would be appropriate and polite to ask how he's doing. How is he these days? He is happy and busy. (laughs) Happy and busy. No better way to be. Excellent. Tell him we all say hello. (laughs) I will. Okay. Well, I want to start here, David. You use the term connecting to goodness. Is your use of that term interchangeable with embracing your spirituality? What's your personal definition of goodness? So goodness to me is a variety of definitions, and the reason I use it is that so many people, if we use God, Jesus, Buddha, Muhammad, or saints, or anyone or anything, is that we immediately engineer our own vision. And because I have this extensive sales background and understand how to stimulate interest, transition interest, and share a vision, I utilize specific words that lower the resistance of our most Western society in America, and especially in the sports world. So I use the word goodness to represent all of those things that have the power of source energy or God or Jesus or Buddha, etc. So goodness to me is that source energy. That's a brilliant plan and an excellent description. It, it really helps people who are new to thinking in a spiritual way, kind of gets them away from that new agey type of stuff and keep it yep. down to earth. Okay, excellent. Well, in my introduction, I described you as a sports agent, business executive, and a technical guru. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, the reason he is a technical guru is because he made major contributions to the success of the Internet and wireless capabilities. In his book, he states, yes, for all of you who find yourself addicted to your smartphone, you can blame me. I thought that was pretty cute. <laughs> uh, but you're, you're also an attorney and a legendary bulldog for renowned gladiators in the sports industry. Does it surprise you to learn that you were also a spiritual teacher? Uh, It did, yes, absolutely. And through my journey and my transformation, I was resistant. My wife is very spiritual, and through the first decade of our marriage, I was extremely resistant and felt I was in complete control of everything. Uh, Now it's not a surprise at all. In fact, it's my main purpose to empower others to empower others. That's fantastic. Beautiful. Well, your business mantra is make a lot of money help a lot of people, and have a lot of fun. Tell us about the influences that help weave that together for you. Absolutely. So my my motto growing up, uh, I had a single mom, uh, six kids, and my motto and belief was that I could overcome any obstacles to make a lot of money and that that would create happiness for me. And mm-hmm. for some reason, I had this innate sense of, of being happy and knowing that happiness was important. And all the things around me that created sadness were around financial uh, aspects of my life. And so I made my main uh, mantra as I'm going to be rich. And as I grew up and became rich and then even not lost it all and became rich again, I realized that that money and the energy of money, which is synonymous to ego to me, is really there for one purpose, and that's really to help other people. And since giving and receiving are one, 
then mm-hmm. you can therefore have a lot of fun with it, be very powerful, but the act uh, of making money is for the sole purpose of the second two uh, components of my mantra. Mm, I agree with that 100%. Actually, the platform for the radio show was a community of support, but I soon learned and recognized that what I actually created was a community of co-creation. Because like you said, when I help other people, that energy comes right back to me immediately. Absolutely. That much stronger. So excellent. Beautiful. Well, that seems to have become a self-fulfilling prophecy. And you mentioned in the book that uh, many of the decisions you made were what other people wanted you to do. And you had to find the strength and the courage to do what you wanted to do. What do you recommend yeah. to people to get to that place of, of making choices for themselves? You know, we, we really need to identify our life's mission. And, you know, I tell everyone that, you know, originally our life's mission is simply to be happy. But we have all these other missions that create that happiness. And whether it be go to law school, get your job, become a father, wh- whatever the decisions are. And we can use these seven principles that I talk in, in my book to, number one, manifest what we want, but also attract them uh, rapidly and accurately to us by taking action. In fact, I've already renamed my first three principles as imagination principles and my uh, second three principles as my action principles uh, to this very point. Okay. I like that. And it's very well organized. Well, we could talk for hours about your career alone and I mean, hours. You have done so much. So we can't go real deep into what all that you've accomplished. An amazing journey and a fascinating story. However, achieving major success in the material world, while it can be exhilarating, it can often leave one feeling cold and empty if you're not in alignment with your authentic true self. You reached that point when you moved into the dream home you built for your wife, Jolie, uh, who you met in the fourth grade. By the, and great story, by the way. That was hilarious. Uh, you're very funny. Uh, But your ego at this point took you on a reckless journey that actually led to an awakening. Let's talk about your journey and how you got where you are today by making the fundamental connection to goodness. Yes. uh, You know, there's two key components to that, and they're really simple. Gratitude and empathy. Uh, Gratitude being unconditional love, God, source energy. uh, And empathy is not sympathy. Right, because I cannot feel bad enough to make you feel good. I cannot be poor enough to make you rich. But empathy is forgiveness, and most of all, forgiving ourselves. Uh, so many of us condemn others for what we do. Uh, and I have found that I grew up very gra- <clears throat> gracious and empathetic, and as I became wealthy and empowered, what I did instead of learn how to thrive and to empower others with this found wealth and empowerment, what I did was self-entitle myself, and uh, not to be too redundant there, I I became self-entitled. I lost my gratitude, I lost my empathy, and I started to create self-sabotage, worthiness issues, and most of all, ego issues. And this ego I define as edging goodness out of our lives. And Mm -hmm. what I did was edge this goodness right out of my life with the need to be right, the need to be offended, the need to be superior, the need for accolades and awards, all of these separating needs instead of strengthening my connection to God, strengthening my connection to goodness, and doing everything that I could to create more abundance for others, and which then, of course, would create it for myself. 
Fantastic. Well, you make an important distinction that I want to reiterate for the listeners, and, and that was the difference between empathy and sympathy. The reason we're saying that it's not good to have, uh, I'll, I'll put it this way, an excessive amount of sympathy, it's okay to, to have a shade of sympathy for people. However, we have to be careful not to rob them of their life lessons. And we, it's better to teach them how to pull themselves up than to do it for them. And what my definition of sympathy is, David, it's actually a mixture of empathy and self-pity. So going into the area of sympathy is a disservice to yourself and the other person. Would you agree with my statement there? Absolutely. I, I think that alignment is, is definitely true, and I like it, and I'll steal it from you. <laughs> oh, oh my. Look at me. I'm giving <laughs> stuff away I'll already. I'll give you credit. Uh, I'll yeah. give you credit. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable, this guy. All right. Well, let's move on to the one of my main questions is, so you, so you managed to turn yourself around. You really went down in this downward spiral. Your, your ego put you through it. And then a couple of friends uh, opened your eyes to that you had, quote, changed, and they didn't like who you were becoming. Did forgiveness play a major role in this phase of your journey of awakening and turning it around? Yes, it did. I had to learn to forgive myself and to understand uh, what it was, what my purpose was, and, and who was guiding me, and uh, where that power came from. And as you said, you know, I had my wife and my oldest friend, who we all grew up together in the fourth grade. Uh, as I was playing golf within the same week, my friend, I asked him, why, why aren't we hanging out anymore? And he said, because I don't like who you hang out with. And I said, well, you know, that's not me. I, I, that's not me. Those are those guys. I, I'm me. And he said, no, no, you can lie to yourself, but don't lie to me. And uh, I had to forgive myself. I liked I liked that section of the book because he was so lovingly blunt with you. And sometimes we need to hear that. So I'm glad that happened because it was really the pivotal moment. So you have, I want to get in, give the audience a little bit of an idea of what your career has been like. You have started companies. You have run companies. You have gotten companies off the ground. You were integral to the success of the Internet before it even came out and, um, You've, you've done so much as a CEO in several places and as a sports agent. How do you go from a powerhouse, like type A personality like that, to meditation? <laughs> wow. That, you know, it, it seems to conflict for so many people, but as you probably know, it, it's not conflictual at all. I, no. The meditation itself, the, the bulldog, the pit bull attitude, the, you know, the pit bull hanging onto that tire and shaking it, and it, squeezing a lemon until it has no more juice. If you use that energy that we've been given and you use it not to overcome obstacles or to beat things or compete with things, but simply to use your free will to connect to what's good, to connect to God, Buddha, Jesus, whatever you believe, if you use that same determination, that same never-quit attitude, then the world and the universe is yours. Everything can be attracted to you in such rapid, accurate nature that you can manifest whatever you want, and the confidence and love that comes from that is, is inexplicable. And it's not in conflict with what I did in the past. It's an alteration and adjustment of using my energy for goodness and not for uh, competitive, superior, ego-driven actions. Exactly. And 
it, it clears out your energy field. It expands your intuition, your awareness. I've, I've said often on the show that, you know, we really have to stretch and grow. And it's important to note that awareness expands horizontally. Consciousness expands vertically. And in order to allow this stretching and growing to take place, we really do have to quiet the mind and effectively clear out the negative unconscious beliefs that are creating the negative patterns in our lives that we bear witness to in our life experience, it's very important that we do this. And that's the fast track to being in alignment on all, I call them PEMS levels, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual. That's the fast track, truly. Now, in your May 31st, 2014 article entitled Meditate, It's That Simple, you describe the importance of finding clarity through meditation. Could you tell the listeners about your daily theta meditation routine and how it helps you develop the clarity to achieve balance? I like sure. your routine. Yes, I, I would no, love okay. to. And so many people ask me about meditation because I think it's an essential part of the day and night because I think most people don't understand the power of the subconscious and un- unconscious. And mm-hmm. so what we need to do is tap into that. And so I utilize theta meditation, uh, which allows me to meditate and increase the vibration of my cells. So an example and why this made mathematical sense to me is that everything vibrates. And so the earth and the minerals vibrate the slowest. The plants vibrate faster and then animals and humans even faster, and then sound faster, and light even faster. And we can only be aware of that which vibrates equal to or less than us. And so if we can increase the vibration of ourselves 10 to 50 times through meditation, which is counterintuitive to think that slowing down our pulse, slowing down our heart, slowing down our mind will actually increase the vibration of ourselves or ourselves, that we can be aware of so much more and we can manifest or co-create so many things rapidly and accurately. And so I meditate every morning for 20 minutes before I go uh, work out or get on with my day. Mm. And you get up before you make an interesting point in the book that um, I call it the thinning of the veil. I wake up every morning at around 4 to 4.20. Um, Interestingly enough, that's also when I was born. But that's when the veil between two worlds is at its thinnest. And so there's less energetic vibration. And you state in the book that because a lot of other people are also asleep, there's less active energy vibration. And then you kind of have, what you would say, full access to the universal energies. Exactly, and I think you and I are akin to each other. I can tell by anyone that wakes up at that time, they know the power of the quietness. They can, you feel the lack of uh, the slower vibration. You, you can feel mm-hmm. the peace and a sense of peace for a variety of different reasons. And, you know, I, I train people, and this is a lot, we'll get a lot of calls and, and comments about theta meditation and waking up at 4 in the morning. You know, the simplest way to start meditating is to say thank you before you go to bed and thank you when you wake up. And that will start you, just like putting on your tennis shoes the first day when you want to go work out. It's the easiest way to start working out. Let's set the goals nice and low. Let's do baby bridges and build up to really being able to meditate and manifest everything that we want. Mm, that's brilliant. I also want to add, um, because you say in the book how you have your 20-minute your meditation and then you work out, but you stay in your meditative state. And I want to add to that because... I often tell my listeners, the ego will forever be trying to make you stumble and keep you stuck. 
So if you start your day with that type of meditation, I myself, I like to float. I call it floating. Um, mm-hmm. when I, when I, as, as I'm coming back to my body, I stop halfway. Um, because if you're new to the show um, and you don't listen to my dream interpretation segments, we're actually out of our bodies during most of the night, especially while we're dreaming. So as I'm waking up, we're actually coming back down to our bodies. And once I, I'm aware that I am in that process, I stop halfway, I go straight back out and start setting my intentions. Very powerful to get that into the subconscious mind. And then I like to float and hear my messages if they're, you know, whatever comes through. But you do this as well. And what the point I'm trying to make is that even when you're working out and you maintain that attitude of gratitude and this meditative state of, of awareness, that you, it allows spirit to communicate with you because your ego is occupied through the physical exertion of working out. And that keeps the ego out of the way and allows those messages to come through. Would you like to expand on that? You, you know, I, I would. I, you, you, you actually are teaching me right now something that subconsciously I do uh, without, you know, specific understanding. So it, it's really enlightening to be absolutely that's the way I feel, that I, I am more connected. I'm here, I'm working out, and sometimes, you know, time is such an interesting thing. As you know, I, I go through my, my workout, which is an hour to an hour and 15 minutes, and I don't know where the time went. It, which mm-hmm. is really indicative of being connected, and yeah. uh, and and so I, I I wonder. And then other days that the workout seems so long, and and it's when I'm uninspired, uh, and I don't have that connection. And I think your awareness of 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 where you're at and understanding, and I and I don't and I use different terms because, you know, my my talent uh, and my gift is that I'm able to take very complex construct ideas that could be from quantum physics to metaphysics to physics to calculus to technology to sports negotiations and collective bargaining agreements and more importantly just spirituality and somehow maybe because I played baseball and football for so long and I was surrounded myself with the greatest athletes that I am able to to communicate or translate these complex variables, these complex ideas into very simplistic, understandable terms that help people to start or accelerate their journey. And so I think you have that same gift, the way that you described what and how you, you, you do your meditation. And, you know, thank you so much because that was quite enlightening. And I, <laughs> I feel like uh, <laughs> I'm a, I should be interviewing you. <laughs> I Fantastic. told you you were going to have a good time, didn't I? <laughs> you you promised, and I believe I, you. I, I met you. I met you for the first time ten minutes before the show. I had to talk so fast because I was like, because you know why? I called you. I called you at work, and and I was about to leave a message, and I said something tells me that he gave the entire company the day off. So disregard <laughs> that message. But I was laughing because I didn't know how to get in touch with you because I wanted to warn you, basically, but I wanted to let you know what I do with the show. Um, yep. So it's funny, but yes, you said something earlier that I didn't get to remark on, and that, yes, we do feel like energetic twins and similar backgrounds, that type of thing. I would like to venture to say, whether you were born with it or through your meditative practice, that you're very intuitive. And, Thank you. And your, and your ability to take those concepts from quantum physics and everything else that you just mentioned and break it down. I get what I, the reason, the, there's a question in here, I promise. And what I, what I want to say is that when you're talking to somebody, no matter where 
they come from or how they show up? Am I accurate in my assessment that you quickly assess and know where to meet them and what verbiage to use to connect with them best as teacher so that they can understand in the way they need to process it? It's so interesting that you say that. I have my chief operating officer of my, my business is, is very uh, spiritual and enlightened, and he always tells me that the biggest gift that he sees is my amazing ability to process so quickly. And that's exactly whatever intuitive gift that is, is that I can assess the situation, the person, the vibration, the ideas, and quickly assimilate them in order to inspire and I, if you want to call that processing or whatever you want to call it as an intuit, I, I do that, and it's uh, something that makes me more fulfilled and purposeful because I can align so quickly with so many people and hopefully mm-hmm. empower them with inspiration. Yes. There's two benefits to it. It's an interesting muscle to flex, and I think somewhere inside the experience of the, the nanosecond that it takes to do that even if it takes 10 seconds, but you get to really feel that process and there's an interesting sensation associated with it that demonstrates and proves that energetic connection to a stranger or even if you know them, but you're right there. And for me, the benefit too is it saves me a lot of time. I like to get to the point quickly. Here's the problem. Here's what you're doing. Here's what you need to do. Here's the healing information. I assume you have a similar process. Yeah, uh, you, you nailed it on the head, absolutely. Oh, good. See, uh, hey, I'm pretty good at this. <laughs> You're really good. You <laughs> yeah, look at me, Ma. Okay. <laughs> I think the question on everybody's mind, uh, just to echo some of the thoughts of the listeners, is they heard me say that you made millions and then you lost it. How, does, how did that feel and how did that empower you? Um, yeah. It, it felt it's such an accumulative effect that a lot you know it it, it didn't just happen overnight and so uh, I think because I look into things and I see things a different way it it, it felt like I was going to manifest another challenge to overcome you know comments like oh I'd hate to see Dave Meltzer backed into a corner oh this guy's going to raise above all the obstacles that exist now right? and, and these were the old ego uh, in the way of doing things. And so what's more remarkable is, you know, not how really, because it wasn't a cumulative effect, not how I, I felt. It, it was the journey from that point where I started realizing from my wife and my friend that I had lost my gratitude and empathy, and how was I going to rebuild my empowerment this time? How, how was I going to manifest everything? And at first it was my control, and as you know, what it really was was getting out of my own way and allowing the power of the universe that I've been gifted with to come fully through me and flow through me so that not only can I manifest for myself and others, but for everyone, provide happiness and goodness to them. Right. Well, I want to kind of revisit what you said earlier about, you know, your childhood. There was a lot of scarcity, financial scarcity, and um, your mom was a single mother. It's amazing to me that with that kind of background that you managed to navigate through your career as smoothly and successfully as you did, now with an emphasis on smooth, because you were like, um, I want to say Tarzan in the jungle where you're holding on to one vine, you reach up, grab the next, and it was a smooth transition and and upward (laughs) motion, but I get that smooth, you know, like doing the monkey bar thing. Yeah. But 
at some point, as I was reading, I was like, this, you, you're going to have to go back and restructure that wobbly foundation. And this gave you the opportunity to do that. And since you attracted it all back to you, I imagine congratulations are in order that you were very successful at eliminating those negative self-concepts and beliefs. Yeah, it's been a blessing. And uh, I think, you know, like I said, you're so intuitive because it, that foundation was subconsciously there. It was also ingrained by my mother who was one of those people that said the best thing I could invest in is myself and all positive thoughts. And, you know, she's a, a true catalyst. My mom, you know, she's a teacher and had hundreds of children who have been inspired by her wisdom, uh, but also a person who I learned from that hasn't taken her own advice. And she's just this beautiful person that's a catalyst. And I have, as she's getting into her 70s, still try to inspire her to take her own advice. Um, but I, I took her advice and was well aware of what I had done and uh I'd worked very hard and figured things out, um, but now it was going to happen a different way. And it wasn't going to be about the money this time. I had the money, and it didn't make me happy. But I know that the money would come easy. It was the other things that were going to be so hard, you know, to really understand what are my personal values, to really understand how to utilize my experiential values, to then truly, truly understand giving and receiving values. And I had no problem giving. I gave all my money away. I had no problem giving. My thing was I, I had an energy that I was not worthy. Everything mm-hmm. had come so easily. Even though there was hard work, it really came fast and easy. And and I felt so proud of that. But the truth is that I, I, I sat there in, in my big Santa Fe home going, oh, my God, I think my, my quote in the book is, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> right. And that's why what? I felt so empty. Like, what do I do now? I have every single thing I ever dreamed of. I have a beautiful wife and these beautiful children and a beautiful house and sports cars and trips and everyone, you know, my nickname is Midas Meltzer and everything I wanted in the community, uh-huh. friends, family. And what do I do now? So, of course, because I wasn't worthy, I started to attract all the things to sabotage what I yeah. manifested. What do you do? You destroy it. That's what you do. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> break it, burn the house down. <laughs> exactly. Let's down start over. Let's, let's get something rebuild. challenging now. Yes, rebuild yeah. on the platform of, like you said, um, empathy, gratitude, compassion, self-love, self-acceptance, and self-awareness. That is really the, the true formula for success in being, I think, a human being worthy of all the anything you could imagine. Agreed. Okay. Well, I want to revisit what you said earlier about working out. You had mentioned that um, you would, didn't know where the time went as opposed to something you weren't very interested in and time drags on. So we've all felt that phenomenon, you know, time flies when you're having fun. And the reason is because, A, time is an illusion, and, B, through by way of a miracle when we're engaged – completely in an activity or an artistic pursuit or talking to someone that we, who we love and enjoy, um, time will, it, it seems to disappear. We break out of the time-space continuum. And I have a name for that. It's basic, I basically call it embodiment of spirit. And this would be a perfect opportunity to describe this concept to the listeners because I don't get to talk about it too often. So thank you for you know, the inspiration to bring this up. Please. I, use, I used to use Brian Westbrook of the Philadelphia Eagles 
I used to use his running skills as an example of this in my spiritual class. I would tell my class, you know, similar to the experience of watching Michael Jackson perform, did you ever watch him and you get that feeling like Michael's not there? That right. something much powerful took over his body? And that is what I call embodiment of spirit. That was Michael's spirit that we got to feel, and you see it pulsing. But this is what I'm talking about when I talk about Brian Westbrook in similar fashion to Michael, even though it's sports, which is an artistic pursuit. And I would watch him run. And my husband would say, how does he do that? Because once he got the ball and he started running, in most cases, when he had a successful run, he could bob and weave through the players. And even my husband noticed that looks a little strange. I said, well, here's what's happening. It's basically on a quantum physics level. He, he goes into his third eye and connects with his higher self. And in doing so, that expands his awareness to a full 360 degrees. And he doesn't have to look around the field. He can look straight ahead, but he will feel where the other players are at the speed that they're running and when they would get to him so he knows where to move his feet and maneuver his body to get where he needs to go. And my husband just looked at me like I was crazy. I said, I'm telling you, this is what happens. I used to do it. Do you do you, do you talk about this stuff with your with, with your clients and your sports people? You, you know, I I do. Um, even though I don't have the incredible talent um, that most of my clients have, like Warren, my business partner. I mean, it's unbelievable to think the spirit that they have and the 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 spiritual intelligence that they have in, in, in doing what they do. Um, I did play college football, and, and I was lucky enough to be a, a kick returner and a punt returner, and I, I had been a running back in, in high school before college. And when you were describing how that works in the third eye with 360 degrees, that's exactly how I felt at times when I, I was at my best. And mm-hmm. I define it in different terms to my athletes. So we talk about you just initially being in the zone and being able to replicate what it feels like to be in the zone. And they all seem to, it seems to resonate with them what that zone is, whether they're a baseball player, a football player, a golfer, a basketball player. There's at times when the hole seems 16 inches wide or the basket seems 10 feet wide and, or the receivers they just can't miss a ball. And that's the exact uh, moment that they're in the zone, that they're inspired, that their awareness, that they're not there. It's their yeah. inspiration. And so what I try to do is translate what you eloquently described in spiritual terms and playing football or sports terms uh, mainly, which is the zone. And what you described right there is a hyper-technical description of the zone. Yeah. I, I, I say the zone in a lot of instances, like when I'm giving a reading, like, you know, I slip into the zone. But I can actually offer you some exercises if you, if you want to add to your arsenal for your players. Um, I can offer some oh, exercises please. to help them expand that awareness. Um, it's, it's a lot of fun, and they can do it in their backyards. And I also like your use of the phrase spiritual intelligence, so I'll be stealing that from you. Right on. <laughs> Good, and can I use your tricks? I still play some recreational golf, so I can use your tricks because I definitely need to be more in the zone when I play. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, it's good in the zone. The zone is your friend. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, That's for sure. Okay, so um, 
that's our spiritual football talk. Uh, I want to mention, uh, in, the, in the book, you, you mentioned something that demonstrates what we're talking about. In the preface, you describe Jim McMahon's contribution to the Chicago Bears winning the Super Bowl in 1985, despite a severe back injury and a leg infection. Sounds like he was in a lot of pain. But you state in the book, if you don't mind me reading a little bit from it. Sure. Uh, by being your best, you are transformed, and you automatically transform others around you. David, describe how this basic shift in awareness works to augment the accessibility of reaching one's potential in others, the energetic law of the universe that's at play here. Sure. Um, the idea is like in the movie Coach Carter where they have the one dramatic scene where the basketball player stands up as Coach Carter has quit his job and he stands up and says that we have to, we, we can't diminish our life, our, our light, for, uh, because others feel unworthy. And what I have found is that, you know, we are afraid, afraid to show our light. And when we show our light, it inspires others, it liberates them to show their light. And it, it's so proven in sports that one action, one successful play, one motivating speech, whatever it is that is inspiring or in the light or in the zone, it, it then opens up others and liberates them to show their light. And that's what I think is best described in the book, how you can empower others to empower others simply by being your best and showing your light. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. I, I did that trying to hide my light under a bushel most of my life, and I finally stopped in my early 30s. It was like around 2001. And most people have that identical problem. Yes. The energetic law is that if you make a shift in your awareness, you make a change in your mind, then that energy emanates out to the people around you, and by universal law, they have no option but to change along with you. And that makes it a, a very effective tool to use where if you want your home, its atmosphere to be more harmonious, you have to develop that harmony within yourself. And once you do that, people respond energetically to that. If, if they're not only inspired by it, but just by feeling that, they will follow suit. In most cases. I'll tell you what, David. I want to take a short commercial break. And when we come back, I want to talk about Sports One Marketing and your book, okay? I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Okay. All right, everyone. We will be right back after these messages. How to be a great dad in 15 seconds. Bike ride, go fish, walk in the park, phone call, milkshake, play catch, picnic, fly a kite, tell jokes, laugh, talk, read a story, tell a story, bumper car, swing set, bowling, pillow fight, cut loose, stay tight. Because the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. So, Jacqueline. Yes, Mom? I wanted to talk to you about something and... Oh, wait. Hold on. I just got a text. Oh, wait, Mom. I just got a message. So many comments on my comment. Hey, guys, check out my wait. new video game. Mom, what? Huh? Pew, pew. This huh? weekend, unplug. Getting closer to nature can get you closer to your family. To find the forest nearest you, go to discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Today in school, I learned a lot. In chemistry, I learned that no one likes me. In biology, I learned that I'm fat, I'm stupid. 
In English, I learned that I'm disgusting. And in gym, I learned that I'm pathetic and a joke. The only thing I didn't learn in school today is why no one ever helps. Kids witness bullying every day. They want to help, but they don't know how. Teach them how to stop bullying and be more than a bystander at stopbullying.gov. A message from the Ad Council. So, you know, I'm a dog, and I'm kind of new to this family, but I've noticed a trend. My humans do this thing where they go around and get all my toys and hide them in this basket, but it's always the same basket, and it's always the same place, and then they act so surprised when I find them, but I'm like, hello, that's where you put it last time. Humans are the worst at hide-and-go-seek. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the shelterpetproject.org. <laughs> and we're back, everyone. We are here with David Meltzer, author of the book, Connected to Goodness, Manifest Everything You Desire in Business and Life. Fantastic book. Fantastic guest, I might add. It's a lot of fun bouncing all these ideas around with you, David. More fun for me. Thank you. Well, at one point in your journey, Warren Moon approached you about working together, and you accepted his offer. Tell us about Sports One Marketing and your efforts to help others succeed. You had said earlier that you're inspired to inspire others to inspire others. I know I got those words wrong, but there was some kind of domino effect in what you yeah, said. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> uh, sports One Marketing, as, as Warren and I were partners with Lee Steinberg, uh, the great sports agent, Jerry Maguire, and, and Lee had his own personal issues. Warren approached me and asked if I could build a business plan that could help him make a lot of money to help a lot of people and have a lot of fun. And Warren is a very spiritual guy. In fact, I, I call him QB1 Kenobi, so kind of my offtake of Star Wars. But he's an extremely spiritual guy. And I said, well, you know, I, I really like the idea of the business, but, you know, I'm on my journey, and I'm not in the – same uh, mental state as most sports guys. I, I don't believe that we have to go out there and beat everyone up and be superior and, and overcome all these obstacles. What I'd like to do, Warren, is build a business based off of two assets that I believe you and I both have. Number one is relationship capital. What we want to do is surround ourselves with the right people. And two, uh, I'd I, think that we have all this situational knowledge or, or great ideas of how to monetize the sports place as well as the ideas in the sports place. So basically, I built a business plan to leverage people and ideas. <laughs> and that's from my own basic belief that that's how I changed my own life was surrounding myself with the right people and the right ideas. And that, again, attracted more of the right people and more of the right ideas. And in our right. business, that would elevate the exposure or awareness of our projects which then would attract more of the right people, allowing us to monetize it in a variety of different ways. And so really that's the business model that Ward and I had. And then he asked me a crucial question. Well, Dave, what's your personal mission? And I told him right then, I said, you know, it used to be to make a lot of money. And I know that you and I together can do that. But really, in order to affect change, in order to do what Lee has inspired us to do when we work with him to 
be real change agents, not sports agents, that we could use the celebrity and the, the, the hype behind all of these people to change people's minds. So, for example, Evander Holyfield, who was one of our clients, when, when he did the PSA, you know, our public service announcement that said real men don't hit women, that really affected people. People really took note of it. They, it actually can affect change, whereas if I tell someone or a father tells or a mother, it doesn't have the same power or effect. So I said, what I really want to do, Warren, me personally, is I want to affect change. And in order to do that, we have to take things to the nth power. And the nth power, obviously, is part of manifesting our principle of manifesting things. And the nth power means I need to empower others to empower others. So that we can take one person and teach them to teach a hundred, to teach a hundred, to teach a hundred, to teach a hundred. And pretty soon, great ideas, great conscious ideas can infiltrate the subconscious and then become unconscious collective belief, just like gravity. And that mm. is truly my mission. Wow. Fantastic. Do you think, David, that having talent and, a great, and great marketing is enough to succeed, or are people not succeeding because of everything that we're talking about today and not having that as one of the main ingredients in their formula for success? Yeah, well, first we have to define terms, right? So success in, in what mission or what realm. Um, you know, talent and marketing can make you a lot of money. Um, it can put you at the top of your game uh, and give you a profile, a brand. You could be a Kardashian and, and do a variety of different things. But if you want to be happy, it's not enough. If you want to live a purposeful existence and give to others and be a good person who's happy all the time, it's absolutely not enough. And that's what we teach in our business. That's what we look for in our business. And that's what we promote with our business. Mm. What amazes me, I was looking at the timeline, and since December of 2008, I will say, life has been extremely difficult for a lot of people. But what amazes me is that you opened the doors to Sports One Marketing with Warren on July 12, 2010, and when 2010 was pretty much at its most difficult. So if this doesn't demonstrate the power of belief, because in 2010, most businesses were closing. People were committing suicide. It was so hard. And you opened the doors in July, and within a month, you knew this was successful. How'd you pull that off? What's up you know, with that? It, it, it was even worse, right? It was even worse. The idea, the idea, the inspiration was basically August of 2009. And so Warren and I kind of had conversations and then built a business plan, and we, we had our launch party on July 12, 2010. And it was funny because Lee, who was spiraling in his own personal issues, he used to tell me, you know, the reasons that things were spiraling is because it's the worst economic condition in the United States since the Great Depression. And if you remember, people were talking about whether we were in a recession or depression, there was no jobs. People were losing their homes. People were going bankrupt. And mm -hmm. all of that didn't matter. <laughs> you know, I, I have this belief that as long as you're connected to goodness, if, as long as you're connected to God and you're inspired, that anything is possible and that everything else is an illusion. And, you know, people in main, main, main terms would say cream rises to the top. 
right? I see opportunity when things are hard. I, you know, there's a variety of different mantras that people have utilized over the last 300 years with the American mm-hmm. spirit. But the truth is, it's all an illusion. It's only what we believe or perceive it to be at that time. And so for Warren and I, it was a time to rebuild. It was a time to start to empowering others, to empower others, and create collective beliefs of happiness and empowerment, gratitude and empathy. Well, it goes to show that no economic conditions can impede something when it's meant to be and when your heart's in the right place. And it can't stop manifestation that to rise above what you perceive, to manifest what's in your soul, is absolute creative power. And even in a year like that, no matter, no matter when anybody is listening to this, uh, whether it's 2014 or 2017, just know that your power to create, since we were made in God's image, is all-powerful, and you do that with your thoughts and your beliefs. And obviously you turned a blind eye to the economy and said, well, it's got nothing to do with me, so I'm just going to keep going. And it worked, because even at the end of that year, um, I learned Caesar Milan attempted suicide. He had a very tough time. And uh, Jim Carrey, I saw Jim Carrey opening for Saturday Night Live, and the first words out of his mouth were, and it was right after the New Year, he says, thank God 2010 is over. <laughs> so, And I, I say often on the show, if you made it out of 2010 alive, you're doing great. Because that was hard. That was really hard. But I'm, I'm so proud of what you did with Thank you. opening that and getting it off the ground so quickly. You gave it like five months to get off the ground, and it happened in a month. I had other questions. It says that, I think this is Warren talking, that Dave brought with him his love to educate and immediately establish a training program similar to the one he had at Lee's office. Tell us about that training program and your interns. Sure. So Lee had already established an intern program where he believed that he could create the future thinkers of tomorrow and empower others. And I came in and established a weekly training. And the training, you know, it had a carrot of being this great sports agent and understanding how the nuances of business and tips in the trade and things like that. But what I amalgamated it into was a spiritual conversation, one of enlightenment, teaching these principles that I wrote in the book. I had started with a five to thrive training, which was really a sales training, stimulate interest, transition interest, share a vision, manage and develop a vision, and then thrive, meaning a sale would thrive. People would would tell more people to buy your stuff. And, And I then, through these trainings, started realizing that's the way the universe worked. And I started using these five to thrive principles to then become the seven principles uh, that were utilized in the book with their four key elements. And so a lot of the different key elements were you know, we're, we're from my sales training, you know, ha- good habits, for example. You know, it's, it's not so hard to see how that works. And the mm-hmm. AAA strategy of alignment, action, and adjustment, well, that makes mm-hmm. great sense in, in, in negotiation and sales, and it also makes great sense with the universe. So I was able to transform this five-to-thrive sales system that I created into a connected-to-goodness, manifest-everything-you-desire-in-life-and-business. Right. I'd like to mention to the audience that um, hopefully you hear this in time, but on September 27th at 3 p.m., you and Warren are giving a talk on five tips for creating greatness in others, 
at Barnes & Noble Tustin in Irvine, California, and details are on the website if you'd like to attend that talk. Tell us what to expect if we yeah, attend. So they, it, yeah, it won't be the five to thrive. It, it'll be four tips uh, that, that we haven't been able to go over here that have been very special to Warren and I. So both tips that are great for business, but also that Warren has used to be one of the best quarterbacks of you know the most popular sport in America, two to one, that uh, these secret sauces that, that he believes. And so Warren and I kind of play off each other onto these five commandments because command for Warren and I means to work with. So Warren and I always say we command each other, uh, not demand, but command. I like that. Fun and inspiring as well. So have a great time Thank with you. that. Um, let's talk about the book. Sure. Most of us have heard by now, in order to be truly fulfilled, we have to take responsibility for our own happiness. But first, as we say on the show, you must first take control of your mind to reshape your destiny from within. In your book, you outline a systematic approach to happiness and achieving balance in work and life. Let's talk about the interconnected seven principles and their supporting four key elements that are ap- applicable to our lives. How, how do these help you rediscover yourself on all levels and manifest the life you truly deserve? You know, it's, it's almost a, a religion to me now. I, I use these principles. It's in my unconscious. I, you know, I go through with all decisions and aspects unconsciously very quickly process how is this going to affect my foundation, my values, my personal experiential giving receiving values, how and what guideposts am I using to give me clarity, balance, focus, and confidence. Confidence creates that energy to be in the zone, to attract exactly what we want rapidly. And then mm-hmm. under the third imagination principle to manifest, to make sure that I have perspective, understanding how my performance and morale are connected to each other, and then the AAA strategy, which we mentioned, of alignment, adjustment, adjustment, and action. So that's the, the real fun one for me with age is that I used to know everything in my 20s, and now the only thing that I know in my 40s is that I better prepare for adjustment. Uh, <laughs> and then, of course, <laughs> free will, the free will, as we discussed, to connect and use all my free will to connect the goodness and happiness. And then the nth power is to empower others, to empower others, to create great change. Mm. Uh, and then that moves and keeps moving in the conscious until it gets into the subconscious or unconscious with these action principles of, of discipline. Uh, and discipline takes effective habits, the integration of skills, knowledge, and desire. It also takes performance, Pen value, you'll enjoy in the book, is a cute story about my wife. It's P-E-N-N. But everything has a simple value that it comes to in the universe that can you see any reason why you wouldn't want to do this? And then finally, the Ben Franklin effect, which is now the Ben Franklin effects, which means I need to be a good investment of others, but I also need to invest in others and ask for help and give help to others. Uh, the fifth principle, sixth, <clears throat> sorry, fifth principle of strategy We need a strategy in the action to take advantage of these great ideas, knowledge, planning, emotion, and over-communication or effective communication. And then finally, understanding or awareness, understanding where our comfort zone is, our learning zone, our anxiety zone, understanding that we have to have constant pressure, which I call the press, how to shift the paradigm, as the great saying goes, if we change the way we look at things, the things we look at change. And Mm -hmm. finally, (laughs) maximizing momentum. Go, getting, like you said, that light. Do not be afraid. Do not lesser or lower yourself. Let your light shine. Create the momentum for you and others with that. 
And then, of course, The Last Principle of Destiny is really my next book. Uh, the whole book is about empowerment and gratitude and how we go and self-empower ourselves, how we learn to empower others, how we learn to empower others to empower others, and then also to be aware of being an arriver, uh, losing our gratitude and, and uh, empathy like I had, and then how self-sabotage creates us to become divers. And so many of us in our life mission start to dive, uh, especially athletes and entertainers. And then sure. Survivor, Survivor, and, and then Reviver, which is the book, is this whole cycle. I have this new Revive cycle in my right. second book, which we're almost done with, that we could talk at another time about. But those cool. are the seven yep. inter interrelated principles uh, and with their key elements. Yeah, I, I love, you have such a way with words. I think it's great. And it's amazing to me that a moment ago you said the Ben Franklin effect, because I have yeah. something similar. I call it the Bruce Springsteen effect. <laughs> and what that is is basically this you can hide neat the covers and study your pain or you can learn right. to forgive and rise above it and start again you know what i mean sure oh, that's I like the that. springsteen effect that's what i that's what i teach people that's <laughs> a great lesson <laughs> yeah yeah we so okay so in effect sure. in to encapsulate um you basically teach people how to get out of their own way and how to understand the law of energy and how to manifest. There's something I really, I really wanted to bring up. It says, in retrospect, it was a mistake being so worried about what people would think. Tell me about that. Because that's huge you know, for a lot I, of us. Oh, yeah. I, I wanted to be loved by everyone. I am a pleaser by, by nature, and mm -hmm. I cared so much about the kind and the bad opinion of others. And what I've learned is that as long as I do what I'm supposed to do and use all my energy and light to connect to what's good, then everyone around me will be happy and I will liberate them. So what I learned, you know, with my stereotypical Jewish mother, who I'm so grateful to have had, that although she wanted to guide me to certain professions and business decisions and life decisions, when I made my own, that made her happy because I was happy. And so many people get lost by the good opinion as well as the bad opinion in others and that we, we, we really, we, we should not worry about being hated for who we are uh, or because it, it's the same as being loved for who we're not. And so if we are who we are and we connect to goodness and we use our free will to constantly figure out what is this spirit telling me, how, how am I supposed to act, and forgive ourselves when we don't act that way, then we can liberate others to be happy around us as well. And their opinions will only be happy thoughts for us, not attacking thoughts. Wow. Have you studied A Course in Miracles? Yes. Oh, <laughs> You'd, yes, I love it. You'd make an excellent teacher. Okay. When you were the chief executive officer in Lee Steinberg's business and his company, he said something very uh, impactful and profound to you. In the book, you write, the most important lesson he taught me, though, was about being kind to your future self. I, gotta, I have to dig into that. So, go. Sure. Oh, what a great piece of it. it's it's such a he's a genius by the way and and it encompasses so much but if we're connected to goodness and and 
every action that we take should be one of goodness. We're, we're being kind to our future self. So if, if we're empowering others to empower others, if we're making good decisions based off of all that we desire and, and we inspire others and inspire ourselves and forgive ourselves and live in gratitude, then we are going to be kind to our future self because everything that we want to manifest will come to us rapidly and accurately. And it started with the way that we simply treat people. Right? He, he would never... Uh, even though he's a great negotiator, he, he would always leave something on the table. He always wanted to be fair, never negotiate to the last penny, and he wouldn't do business with, excuse my language, dicks. And it's because he wanted to be kind to his future self. And he didn't take his own advice because physically, through his own ailments with alcoholism, he wasn't kind to his future self. And when he was acting in accordance and in, in weakening his connection to goodness, he had found he had created an accumulative effect of all these other challenges that he now faces, which I'm sure he'll overcome. Uh, but it's such a powerful uh, attitude to have when you somebody aggravates you or has attacking thoughts to you. That forgiveness is being kind to your future self, right? We we don't owe we don't ever owe anyone else forgiveness because they deserve it. It's because we deserve it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it sounds to me, God bless him, and he does sound like a genius, um, but it sounds to me like Lee attacked his past self, resisted the present, and then miscreated his future self with his actions and his beliefs, and that's very sad, so our prayers go to him. Absolutely. Oh, wow. Well, there <laughs> is, you had mentioned the AAA strategy of alignment, action, and adjustment, so we don't need to reiterate that, but I just want to reinforce it and also ask you, it says in order to adhere to the AAA strategy, we need to utilize and understand the 80-20-80 rule. Could you describe that rule for us? Yeah, sure. Most people think, and it, and it stems from that AAA, uh, is that 80% of our time should be more interested than interesting. That you know, When I was young, 80% of my time was taking action. I make a little bit of a plan, and 80% of my time was taking action. Where I have this 80-20-80 rule, 80% of our time should be more interested than interesting and getting alignment. Really putting action into the universe to understand what's going on, 20% of our time should just be spent taking action. And then the next 80% should be spent managing and developing that action, putting more energy, manifesting what we want. So the idea is if 80% of our time is spent meditating and imagining, et cetera, 20% taking actions with discipline, strategy, and understanding, and then back to 80% of the time imagining and managing and developing those ideas and honing them and adjusting them, it all circulates and we can manifest things more rapidly and accurately. Interesting. I love it. Speaking of planning, with regard to setting goals, Wayne Gretzky, the leading point scorer in NHL history and holder of 61 NHL records, once said, skate to where the puck is going to be. David, how do you approach setting short and long-term goals? I use the principles. I, you know, look at my imagination principles in the short term and my, and my action in the, in the short term principles and then once again in the long term. So I have these micro missions and my long term goal is very simple and it hasn't changed for a while. And my, 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 my long term goal is to be happy. And so go. all of these, these short term goals are very simple. Do those missions 
these these micro missions of mine, these short-term goals of mine, are they aligned with my six principles as they stand? These three imagination principles that I'm utilizing to manifest things, and then these action principles that I'm acting in accordance to what I'm imagining or dreaming of, all mm. connected to God or goodness. Love it. Are you 100% successful at applying these principles every day? That's an awesome question. So I normally have a caveat when I teach, and I say, look, I know this stuff works. I know it's worked for me. I know it's worked for others. And I'm striving every day to be to that 100%. And the funny thing is, I don't know if I do it 30% or 80% of the time, but I know I do it a lot more than I used to do it, and I'm having Mm -hmm. exponential success with it. And so I would absolutely say I don't do it 100% of the time, and I do it a lot more than I used to do it, and I just don't know how, what the potential of the universe is to give it a 30 or an 80% value of what I do it right now, but I know I can keep on doing it better. Right. Well, I get asked that question a lot as a teacher, as a spiritual teacher, and even as a psychic, oh, well, what should I do? What would you do? And my, I had to keep my answer really brief, and I tell people, don't do what I do. Do what I suggest, you know, because <laughs> I what I – it depends on the situation. It, in most cases, I'm, I'm not going to react. I will forgive. I'm extremely slow to act. I'm so non-reactive that even when being threatened, I don't get mad until days later. It's the weirdest thing. However, there are moments where, you know, I have a not very spiritual moment, and those will happen, but you have to forgive yourself and – look at your reaction, determine the root cause, and do, do that spiritual work that helps release that button that people are pushing. Um, but that's what I tell people. Don't do what I do. Do what I suggest, and do it to the best of your ability and as consistently as possible. That's, so I that's love it. great advice. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, let's talk about the website, David. Let's explore uh, connectedtogoodness.com. In addition to numerous appearances on radio and television, you've been pretty, pretty much all over. You also have an ambitious schedule of speaking engagements at prestigious universities around the country. In fact, in April of 2014, you spoke at the University of Beijing. Come on now, in Beijing, China. What was that experience like? You know, I've been blessed to speak around the world for both technology uh, and sports and now even for spiritual reasons, which is even a bigger blessing. And so... Uh, to go into China, Beijing, China, and speak for that, it was at the sports school, uh, was phenomenal. And what was so amazing is the similarity of what really inspires all of us. And some of the key questions that I ask uh, have the identical answers as when I spoke at UCLA uh, a couple weeks back. Uh, the kids had the same uh, issues. They all were striving to be empowered for themselves and they were very excited and emotionally attached to sports, and it meant so much to them. Um, and so it, it's, it was a wonderful connecting experience for me to connect the East with the West and understand that we all are one and we're all the same, uh, despite of a variety of image, brand, and profile differences that may be uh, uh, looked upon here that just are an illusion. Hmm. What a beautiful way to say that. Well, in addition... To your schedule, I would encourage everyone to go, when, no matter when you're listening to this, go and check the current schedule of events because you're really giving a lot of great talks to a lot of people who need to hear it in your voice, so to speak. 
Uh, on the website, you have interviews, articles, and videos, ways to connect. And uh, you mentioned at one point that you started sending out an inspirational message of the day. Do you still do that, David? I do. I do. Uh, even on holidays, I usually don't send them out on the weekends. But uh, Monday to Friday, I send uh, great messages that I find, other people's great sayings, or from interviews when I'm talking to brilliant women like yourself, I steal uh-huh. their little messages and put them up and give them credit. Uh, so anyone that would love to be on my, my message distribution, uh, you can e- email me uh, uh, right at, at uh, connectedtogoodness.com, dmeltzer at connectedtogoodness.com, or go on the website. Just give me which email address you'd like, and we'll put you on the list. We'd love to have you aboard. Great. D. Meltzer at ConnectedToGoodness.com. Meltzer is spelled M-E-L-T-Z-E-R. David, tell us about your video training course that you have on the website that people can participate in. Sure. We developed it for Internships.com, which is the world's largest portal for internships, and we have a sports portal on there. We have 40,000 companies, over 7 million students a year utilize it to find their internships to empower themselves. Uh, And I created a video training course about empowerment, and we go through the different principles. Each training course is about each of the different principles and their key elements, and uh, those are available on our website at ConnectedToGoodness.com as well as internships.com. Um, and we'd love for you to take the course and, and enjoy it. Mm. It's been a great experience having you on the air. I love what you're doing with your company and empowering your interns. I know you have an unbelievable amount of applicants for only, what, maybe 40 spots to fill, and then you nurture sure. these young people. And it, it says in the book that you don't have a meeting without these interns sitting in on it every step of the way to learn, correct? Correct, absolutely. That's the only way to learn is firsthand. We can talk about it, we can read about it, but until you sit and listen to it and see it done, it takes on a whole new energy of its own. Mm, That's beautiful. Uh, I'd like to ask you, David, I said earlier you have a pretty ambitious schedule. What does it look like for next year? Uh, Just give us a call, email us, text us, at D. Meltzer, tweet us, whatever. We are uh, booking right now. It's filling up, but we do have some open space. I, I'm going to take the same aggressive schedule next year to empower others to empower others. I'd love okay. to speak at your event. Okay. And is the book also available on Amazon? Yeah, book Barnes & Nobles, Amazon, and our website. Pretty much normal channels. David, have I forgotten anything? Uh, just please, I hope everyone uh, stays connected to goodness and, and, and has all the happiness and love in their life. Oh, that's beautiful. It's it's a joy having you on the air. I can't wait to read your next book and have you back and explore some more, okay? It would be my pleasure. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. It's really nice to meet you. I'll talk to you soon. My pleasure. All right, everyone, that's our show for today. If you're dissatisfied in any area of your life, Connected to Goodness can help you on your way to ultimate fulfillment. Visit ConnectedToGoodness.com to purchase the book, available in softcover, hardcover, and ebook format, or to inquire about having Mr. Meltzer speak at your upcoming event. Until next time, God bless and be at peace. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.